because you're going to succeed or fail. And if you fail or don't get what you want, then you can go on to the next thing. It's saving time. Eleanor Roosevelt said, you must do the thing you fear. You must do it. I didn't run write this book. It, we're having a blast doing this. So I was wrong again from the fear. Good communication is a sport and it requires the practice and the feeling and the techniques that go in to doing a sport well. Embrace rethinking your life because if you're lucky, it's a long life. If you're blessed, it's a long life and you're going to be able to rethink it many, many times. So I've, I've learned, as you mentioned, how to say it different ways to different people. I used to be so harsh. There wasn't a need, really. Hey, guys, and welcome back to the I Love Success podcast. I am super excited to be here today, and I hope you are too. My big mission or big why or big fat hairy goal or whatever you want to call it in life is to help people just like yourself to go after your dreams and create a better life. And what that means for you, it's up to you to figure out. We want to redefine success. We're here to help you with inspiration, to motivate you, and to transform your life. And in order to do that, you just need to sit down, be quiet, listen, take notes, write down what's important for yourself and your life, for nothing will make me happier than you creating the life you want. This week's guest is a really amazing and cool girl, and uh, she is a communication coach and expert. She's been a professional actor for 40 years and delivers a coaching experience that transforms how an actor acts and business people communicate. Her name is Billy Shepard, and this year she even merged her presentation training methods with the virtual needs of our times and created a powerful blend of the two, training business people how to enhance their virtual presentation skills. And that's something that I've had to learn this year, and I, and I get hopefully a lot of people out there, instead of just going rogue, they have learned this virtual world because... It's quite amazing that we can sit here today and talk and discuss and share ideas. So let's welcome the amazing Billy Shepard to the I Love Success podcast. Hi, how are you? I love you already. Thank you. Awesome. I love you too, you know. Put your head in your heart. That's what my yoga yoga instructor always tells me. Oh, oh that's lovely. Yeah, so I just want to talk a little bit. Uh, obviously, we're going to get into communication and all of that. But for, first of all, Billy, where did you find love for acting and communication? What was the first moment in your life when you said, I want to become an actor? I think I was in the sixth grade and I went to, excuse my constant tissue, <laughs> happens when you get older. Uh, I went to a movie called The Miracle Worker, and I saw an actress playing Helen Keller talk about an ego. And I, I literally felt through my whole system that I, I could do that. I could do that. 
And so a girlfriend and I went to an audition. This is in this, in, I think in the, I was really young. And we went to an audition and I remember reading from the play. It was Rumpelstiltskin. It was a children's play. And I remember reading from the play, just reading the words, right? And so then this other actress, my age, went up and she just started being Rumpelstiltskin. I, she just, and I thought, oh, I've got a lot to learn here. You know, just read the word. But that was my first um, inclination that, that I could do that. Awesome. And can we talk about that uh, gap that happens? You know, we get an idea, we see something, we get inspired, and then we go after it. And one, once we do that, I mean, it takes a lot of courage to do that. And once we go after it, we realize that there's a gap between who we are today and where we want to go. So can you just talk about what happened and why did you keep pursuing it? Because we see a lot of people today when they see there's a gap between where they are now and where they want to go. A lot of, of people unfortunately tend to go in the wrong direction or stop because they think there's something wrong with them or they can never do it. So can you just share what made you keep going and what did you learn along the way? I think when I was younger, I had such enormous confidence that I could do anything. I, I was athletic. If I wanted to play tennis, I could play tennis. If I wanted to dance, I could dance. If I, Whatever I wanted to do, except math, whatever I wanted to do, um, I could do when I had confidence. But what occurred was the real world and m- much to what you're mentioning, you, you find out, oh, there's more to this than I anticipated, or I'm not such a natural at this. And I, I think I've been gifted with gumption and had a ton of it when I was younger. Now this, if I may continue talking, yeah. this diminished the older I got because the more I went into acting, the more I would have to deal with rejection for whatever reasons. And rejection hurts and failure hurts. And for me, I can only speak to myself, that those feelings of failure paralleled with an increase in fear. And what I've learned to do over the years, this may be helpful for others. I, I'm dealing with it to such a much better degree now. I feel the need to share it. Yeah. Is to learn how to move through those doubts and fears. Because I, from my experience, my real experience, sometimes things don't work out. And, and if I've worked through my fear and tried my best, I'm able to look at it, not working out and say, honestly, that that didn't work out. I need to go to the right or I need to go to the left. It's not an emotional turmoil if I try my best and walk through the fear. So I think the older I get, this may distress people, the, the more the fear has increased because the stakes get higher. Um, in other words, I'm dealing with more successful companies and bigger companies and more successful people and bigger stars and bigger names. And so my 
my negative fear increases the stakes. Learning to deal with fear becomes uh, one of the best payoffs that I've learned in my life. And I've got several recent experiences where I was just terrified. If, if I, I'm going to continue talking, I don't know. Yeah, of course, of course. This is, this, we're honoring your journey today. Oh, I'm here to listen and facilitate. You're a, you're a good fellow. There was one particular thing that occurred recently when I, I, I was writing my book and it was getting to the end of it and I needed to ask people for quotes. And a bunch of people kept saying, oh, you should ask so-and-so for a quote or a foreword. And I was just terrified to ask this person for this favor. And uh, it, and it was getting to the deadline. I mean, we were, we were going to final print and I had to ask this person for the for the copyright editor, you know, to get this quote. And I was so terrified. And for two weeks, I couldn't sleep in my poor partner, Bill. He was going through all my torture. And finally, one morning, he put his hands on my shoulder. It was about six in the morning. And he looked me in the eyes and he said, Billy, you have to call him today. <laughs> he had it. So I called this person after meditating and, and doing my breathing and all these techniques. You do yoga whatever works for you. And I called this person and out of my mouth came, I'm afraid to ask you this. I don't want to impose, but could I ask you for a quote or a foreword? It came out of my mouth. And the person said, of course, you know, <laughs> I'd be delighted. That fear is ridiculous is what I want to say. It's a black dog on my shoulder and I recommend anybody deal in any way you can getting rid of that fear because it's it's useless. Because you're going to succeed or fail. And if you fail or don't get what you want, then you can go on to the next thing. It's saving time. I'm yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's unbelievable. I'm, I'm reading a book called uh, The War of Art. I don't know if you can see it here. It's virtual yeah. background oh. uh, written by Stephen Pressfield. And it's all about resistance. And like resistance ruins creativity, right? And it's, we all have it. And the, the more important the project is for us, the more resistance we do have. Uh, but resistance hates work. It hates when you're actually doing it. And I think that's kind of the story of all creators, you know, entrepreneurs. We, we tend to put things off because we fear them. And once we do them, we realize that it's not that bad. But how do we, how, if you could redo this, how could you have done it and called him the first day? Would that even be possible? I don't know. That's a wonderful thought. Um, I think I'm getting better at it. Yeah. I think I'm improving by doing it because a couple of other things occurred after that. And I was able to remember that experience and say, I don't have to suffer. I don't have to suffer that long with this. I re I recognize it. And I had a, a positive reaction. Um, I think in the doing it, I think it, Eleanor Roosevelt said, you must do the thing you fear. You must do it. I didn't run write this book. 
I, I so didn't want to write this book. <laughs> and, and I'll tell you what else I didn't want to do more than anything. I did not want to do this Zoom stuff. My work is done in person with in-person group workshops and one-on-one -on -one personal coaching. And I didn't want to shift this to the virtual because I'm not techie, obviously, as you see. For us to get, oh, you do, you're doing better than me here. No, I, I'm an in person person as well. <laughs> you, you are too, and I didn't want yeah. to do this. But then, do you know, um, I I meditated again, and I breathed, and I breathed, and I let it go to the universe, and I said, I'm I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do. This energy, I don't know whatever it is, and then I got a call from a big company that I work for, and they said, Do you want to? do this, we'll help you create it. And they gave me a program manager and they, uh, and so now I'm do. and do you know, this is a wonderful tool. It has wonderful benefits. It, 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 it we're having a blast doing this. So I was wrong again from the fear. So I think the doing it to answer your question. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think a lot of times we build up our mind says things that is not true. For example, no, I'm, I'm never, I can't connect with people online. That's was my idea. Like I, I, I'm still number one for in-person. My first 170 shows were, were all eye to eye, you know, in a room, just us, because you connect on a deeper level, but I'm learning that you can connect pretty well this way too. And you can, you can sit in your pajamas doing it. So mm -hmm. it, mm -hmm. it saves a lot of time, but of course, hopefully we can get back to, to normal. I want to talk about like, what was the most amazing moment in your career as a professional actor? What was the moment where you felt, wow, I'm really in flow. I'm, I'm really in love with, with what I'm doing. Well, <laughs> there, there've been several and that's why people keep doing it. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, I, I can, I think it's it's hard to go back since the beginning of time. I think my first standing ovation in a comedy was huge and got me addicted to making people laugh. I thought, oh, this works, and I get it. there's a big payoff to this. Um, I, and I've had several good teachers, but I I I feel the need now to share the a huge breakthrough that I got. If you're if you're interested in that in my yeah. learning in in really believing in the power that, that I could do this and, and bring something to people. Uh, I was uh, taking workshops with a wonderful Academy Award-winning actor, Alan Arkin, and he became my guru and, and a wonderful uh, colleague later on. And it was in this improvisational workshop with his particular guidance that I learned the secret of intention, which when you're an actor, you learn that from the very beginning. An actor has to have an intention. Otherwise, all we think of is how we look and how we sound and we're embarrassed. But if we're on our specific intention, we can do Shakespeare naked. I mean, we can do anything. We can rob a bank. Just put me on intention. <laughs> and I learned from... Uh, a, a particular experience, I can't go into it now, it takes too long, that Alan told me and us 
that an intention needs to be connected to a very strong personal feeling. Now, I hope I'm not getting too esoteric here, but that intention needs to be connected to a strong feeling. And I had a very strong intention and I connected it to a very strong feeling. And the next take that I took was transcendent because I was absolutely there in that circumstance. And we ended up doing improvisations with regard to that, to that intention for most of the afternoon. It just kept paying off and paying off. So one of the things I want us to offer to, to people to help you listeners, if anybody's still listening, because I talk and talk, um, is clarity of intention for an actor or a communicator or talking to your teenager or bringing up something with your wife or your boss or asking for a raise, clarity of intention connected to your true honest feeling. This is the drug. It removes all fear. It removes all doubt. And we can move forward with much more, um, in a much more concise, organized, solid way. So I think for my acting, that was a huge lesson. And then there's been other times where I've just gotten laughs and and affected people, and it's it's been great. Yeah. And what what has been the worst time as an as an actor, and what did you learn from that? The worst time, other than than really wanting a particular role or really wanting to work with a particular director and getting to callbacks and then a next callback and then a next callback and then not getting it. Um, there's so many reasons for that. The worst, oh, <laughs> I've had a bunch of them. One time um, I walked into a fence going on stage and the whole fence collapsed and everything and everybody had to act like it was happening in the reality of the scene. That was great. And then going up means forgetting your lines during the headlights. I've, I've had a couple of situations where I've gone up. Um, I have a funny kind of Neil Simon story, if you're interested. Yeah, let's go. You want to hear it? Okay. I was doing a Neil Simon play and, um, we were down center stage and my husband in the play was this big, huge man. And I'm only five feet tall, five one. And um, Neil Simon, the, the playwright was supposed to be in the audience that night. And I was on stage down center stage playing this argument with my husband thinking, I wonder where Neil's sitting. I wonder, I wonder if he's stage left, you know, audience left, where could Neil be sitting? You know, should I turn a little bit and everything? And I'm doing this. <laughs> so afterwards, clearly I was not really in the scene. So I went backstage during the break and I went up to uh, the other actor and I said, I, oh God, man, I owe you an apology. He said, what, what is it? I said, during our, during our argument, I was wondering, where's Neil sitting? You know, the whole time, I'm so sorry I wasn't there. He said, ah, don't worry about it. He was thinking, I had an enormous cheeseburger. What would happen if I had a heart attack on stage tonight? <laughs> so two <laughs> actors, I shouldn't tell you this, but we were two actors, so not there. I, I don't yeah. know, the audience laughed and everything, but that, that wasn't my finest moment. <laughs> yeah, but I think that is the difference also 
with being an amateur and a pro, a pro shows up every single time, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's the difference. An amateur just do it when they feel like it or when they, when they feel inspired. But a true pro shows up. And I mean, that's how you learn and evolve. Mm-hmm. That's just so helpful. That's the truth. Yeah. It's absolutely the truth. And, and I'm, I'm curious, like when, when you let a career or a passion consume you, how do you deal with the outer world, relationships, getting people to understand you? And like, how have you dealt with that in your life? Because I know a lot of people, like when they do something wholeheartedly, and I'm a victim of that myself, I forget about everything else. I think that I had a, a child. I have two daughters, 20 years apart. And and the first daughter I had, I would schlep her to backstage in the green room and the other actors were great. And I will tell you, it's very personal, but it's the truth. I've been married two times. I've been with this man for 22 years. We're not married. But my my first two husbands, I was married two times. And we had issues and blah, blah, blah. But I'll tell you what issues we did not have with either husband, and that was my acting. They were both incredibly supportive of yeah. my auditioning, my acting. My, they, they, were, they, were, uh, they were supportive. That wasn't an issue because if they wouldn't have been supportive, I couldn't have spent time with them. I, it, it was that important to me. Uh, and I don't think I abused that support. I don't think so. Um, I hire very well. <laughs> I keep people, I think that's important for people that are running their own business. I hire support very well. I, I can tell who, who loves me, cares for me. Love might be the wrong word, but I, I love the word love because it's, it's bigger than, than just a certain description. Uh, I can tell who supports me. And when someone doesn't support me, that has more to say about them than me. And I've learned how to let go of certain people kindly, let them go with love and all of that. But that leaves room for more people that can support me. When I'm in touch with with my better self or whatever you want to call it, or that creative energy or that flow, or some people call it God, I don't know, whatever you want to call it. When I'm in touch with that, there's a clarity of what I need to let in and what I need to let go of. And, and the older I've gotten, the cleaner that's become. I, 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 I pay attention to it. And how do you measure success? Because a lot, of, a lot of my audience and listeners, you know, they have big goals. They're going after an industry where there's so so much competition, just like acting, and you have to deal with so much rejection. So it's very easy to feel like a failure. How do you measure success? And what's the parameters that makes you grow instead of feeling small all the time? Mm-hmm. Well, I sold real estate in Phoenix and Scottsdale, Arizona, when the interest rates were 11 to 17 percent. It was crazy what the interest wow. was. It was nutsoid. And I did well. I sold real estate for about five years and then other things occurred and I got back into the acting. 
I had a manager one time that drew a line on a, on a whiteboard and, and above it, these, these are many days ago, the numbers are greater now. She wrote 100,000 on that line. And she said, if somebody's giving you advice and they earned less than 100,000, don't listen to them. If they earned more than 100,000 and you haven't earned 100,000 yet, listen to them, okay? And I took her at her word. And so I stuck with people that were doing it and, and doing it successfully. And, and I learned because I didn't know anything when I first started. Numbers don't lie. And especially with acting and real estate, you can kind of play it. You can kind of say, oh, I'm trying my hardest and I have a dream and I can be successful. Are you making the numbers or are you not making the numbers? And that is why I went from, and, and I start, I founded two acting academies, five acting workshops in four states. I was an acting coach and, and I was an actor for a long time. And raising this second daughter, the numbers didn't lie. I couldn't live in the Bay Area and make enough numbers. I couldn't, doing acting and teaching acting. So I looked at the numbers, it hurt. It hurt the ego, the whole thing. And I said, I, I've got to do something. I've got to expand or do something else. And do you know, that's when I got the idea. You know, these people I'm seeing in all my company, my husband's ex, ex-husband's company, they're terrible. And I can teach them how to do these presentations better. So I segued in. But for the people that are out there dreaming, I've had dreams and you got to look at the numbers and you got to you got to take the pain in and is it working after a few years or is it not working so realism becomes critical honesty honesty yeah you got to be honest with yourself and see where the gap is again right yes uh, and i think that's that's one thing we are so hard at looking at because we do all these things and sometimes we don't want to measure because we know deep down that I'm not really where I want to be and it it hurts so much and maybe we're feeling like we're doing everything and I'm a victim of that myself. I'm doing everything but I don't have the results I want. Maybe I'm doing something wrong and I think that's something that is important for us all to see like if you're working really hard and you're not getting the results you want, either you need to put in more, like have more patience and realize it takes time, or maybe just like you said, look at the look at the winners in your industry and learn from them. Going back to communication, what is important when you communicate with other people as a leader? What are the tools and trades and like to show up well? Well, I have to say, you're an example of it in in this moment. You listen and you hear. You're very present. And what occurs from my experience, what I see occurring with most people is they talk because they think I can talk and I know all about these things and I have all of this information that I can share so I can keep talking. And I call that a wall of words. And 
one of the things that a good leader learns is silence and sound have equal value. Talking and listening have equal value. I would say that the most critical thing I'm teaching now for Zoom is vocal quality and learning to talk directly into the camera for, for Zoom, because those are the Zoom benefits that we do get to have the intimacy of the camera, that it feels like you're talking directly to me, one me. There could be 10,000 people out there. And the vocal quality being important. And that's clarity, modulation, and pauses. So I would say today, if anyone can remember anything, whether they're selling real estate or whether they're selling cars or whether they're acting or whether they're auditioning, pauses, pauses. Pauses allow the listener to have the message land so they can digest it and then play a part. Then, then you're making love with somebody. Then you're giving them time to participate back and forth. If I'm just talking and yammering away, it's off-putting and there's no participation. I would say pauses. I think that's, that's incredible. And also what you said with, sometimes we talk just to talk, right? We want to it's almost like we want to throw up everything we know on on a on a uh, what's it called a plate and then leave, but that doesn't add anything. And and I I've, I'm learning this. My job is to listen and to ask the right questions, to open a communication, and to to dig deeper into the minds to do what I really want to do, which is which is redefining success. And sometimes I have guests that have done three or 400, 500 podcasts before, and it's almost like putting on a tape recorder, then my job becomes more difficult, right? Because my job is to get them out of that script and into the reality because I love deep, raw, and honest conversation just like the one we have here today. And what else is important when it comes to communication? How do you do... Because in a real world setting, body language, posture, and all of that can have a, a bigger influence than maybe in, on a Zoom call, right? Can you just talk about that? How do we, how do we leverage posture, you know, uh, tone of voice and things like that? You're asking such good questions and I, I can't believe I'm gonna sound like a self-promoting author. <laughs> but in my book, I address yeah. that and and, it's so important in Zoom, too, to bring your whole body in. One of the things I've had to deal with over the years in Silicon Valley, that's, that's mostly where I work. I do not much traveling. People dress schlumpy. They, they don't dress nice. And so I have to bump up, put, up, put on a nicer collared shirt if you've got a meeting. You get a good haircut. Women, put on a little lipstick. It won't hurt. It, appearance... There was a gentleman, uh, a, a diplomat, decades ago. You're too young to know him. Warren Christopher. And he said, we dress out of respect for others. And our posture 
is showing respect for others, not to mention that it's keeping our machinery open so we can use our full voice and our full creative flow and energy. All of that, you know, I'll tell you something. Actors learn that acting is an emotional sport. It's an emotional sport. We have to learn how to actively connect to certain emotional content and deliver it on time when, when directed to. Good communication is a sport and it requires the practice and the feeling and the techniques that go in to doing a sport well, whether it's tennis or baseball or or dancing or playing the clarinet. A lot of goes a lot of it goes into it. And one thing that I wanted to have your opinion on, I, I had, I don't know if you know who Sean Stevenson is. Uh, he's called the Three Foot Giant. He passed away last year. He has something called bones brittle disease. So before he was 18, he, he had almost 200 bones uh, broken in his body, but he, he passed away last year. And I, I had the honor of having him on the show. He's a great speaker and communicator. And he said, when you're preparing a speech, make them laugh, make them cry. And then also, how can I make them rethink their life? What's your opinion about that when you're preparing a speech or, or, or some type of communication with other people? How to what their life? Rethink their life. How to rethink their life. Yeah. I think it should be taught in kindergarten that we're going to have to rethink our life again and again and again. And it turns out that, it's a, that, that the rewards are unimaginably wonderful. But if we get into the disappointment or, or this false expectation that I'm going to make this decision and this is how it's going to work forever, it's going to be like a truck turning left around the corner and flattening you. Because things happen in life. And we need to rethink our lives. You can spin, you can fight, you can get angry, you can get pissed off and resent people. And the older I've gotten and the more times I've had to rethink my life and recreate myself, because I'm a foot stomper. I foot stomped when, with this Zoom coming in. I don't want to recreate myself again. I've done it. I'm such and such years old. I've had it. I put into, and it turned out great. I've got, I'm, it, it's just amazing how it's turned out. Embrace rethinking your life because if you're lucky, it's a long life. If you're blessed, it's a long life and you're going to be able to rethink it many, many times. And I think there's there's nothing wrong with changing if if you changed for the better, right? I was, you know, I'm a martial artist. I used to be a world medalist. I, I've traveled all over the world competing in karate. And sometimes being a martial artist means that we have very strong character. And I I was 
of that opinion that I should never change. If I say something, it has to be that way. And one thing that I've realized is that there's one thing to keep your word and, and honor your word. That's beautiful. But to decide on something without having all the knowledge or not being open to change, that's a huge weakness that I had in my life. But now I want to change. If you have something better that you can bring to the table, I want to change. Can we just address that for people that are like so stuck in their own head and they're like, this is how I'm going to do it. I've done this all my life because this year is special, right? A lot of businesses that have been thriving are dead. They're not going to exist anymore. And either we adapt and overcome or we, we die, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really true. Um, I'm, I'm wondering how personal to get. I want you to get personal. Let's speak heart to heart. Let's speak heart to heart. Um, both of my former husbands decided that they were in love with other women. They decided this long before they told me. So I, I, I felt very betrayed by the first one and I felt very betrayed by the second one and, and wasn't willing to stay with either one of them even though they wanted to stay and have, you know. Yeah. That is nothing that you have to change. You have to learn how to support yourself. You, you have to learn how to live without this dream that you were living in or whatever. You, you have to change. There, for me, when that conflict is occurring of I don't want to change, um, that's wanting to be right instead of happy, instead of feeling well. Um, that, that I need to do this or stick with this or, you know, when, when I gravitated away from the acting, my agent was very, very understanding. She wouldn't let me go. She still has me and occasionally I'll do something or some modeling or something. She's lovely. But the fact of the matter is when I started pulling away from acting, it was like pulling away from a cult. I'd been an actor since professionally, since I left college to go act. And, and I had this thing in my head saying, but I'm an actor, I'm an actor, how will I leave act? That did nothing but make me feel uncomfortable and unhappy and miserable because I wanted to be right at that choice of choosing being an actor. But the more I let go of it, the freer I got and the more creative I got and, and better things happened. So if, if, if the hanging on to the choice is, is making me uncomfortable or miserable, that's a big sign. That's a big sign that I'm just, I'm wanting to be right. And how do we let go of those limiting beliefs that we have when, when life is evolving? I have practices that have helped me. I have support people, friends in my life. I have a, a particular 12-step program because I was an actor, I had an eating thing, um, and I'm still in that program after 40-some years. Um, it, there's a process of learning to recognize when I don't have peace of mind. And if I don't have peace of mind, I'm not pleased with that, and I'll, I'll meditate or, or exercise or call five friends if I need to, or call my therapist. I've got a therapist on call 
you know, I'll pop in, pop out. Uh, I'll do whatever it takes to feel good, to feel well. Not always happy because maybe I didn't get the gig or happy because maybe my kids are in a bad mood or something. But peace of mind, that's, that's what becomes valuable. If I'm hanging on to something because it's not meeting my expectations, it doesn't feel good anymore. So I, I let go more. I let go. And it leaves room for something wonderful coming in has been my experience. And have you ever, Billy, you know, wished or thought, like, how would my life have, have been if I just choose, a, you know, a safe, regular career and didn't even bother, you know, going after and doing all these amazing things? <laughs> I'm going to tell you the truth. I tried that and got <laughs> fired. I thought, <laughs> I'm going to be, you know, a, a receptionist. And so I thought, I can go to work from nine until five and I can get a regular paycheck here and I can do this. And I went in and I got fired. <laughs> After about three days, I couldn't remember where all the buttons went. I was much younger. So I think the universe kind of tells me clearly, you know, <laughs> stick with where you're getting some positive feedback more than, than uh getting fired. So I, I wasn't a good receptionist. <laughs> I love that. And I think, you know, there's, there's probably a lot of people out there listening right now that are, you know, struggling because they're in their, a job that they hate and they have this inner muse or, you know, urge of going after something. If it's acting, music, movies, entrepreneur, writing something like, what do you want to say to those people that have that, they have it inside them, but that they're still so fearful that they're not talking about it. They're not sharing it with the world and they're not going after it because there's so much resistance. Boy, you see it a lot in acting and you can see it a lot in sales. You see it a lot. Um, I think when when the pain gets greater than the belief or hope, hope, um, most people will get to the real place of saying, you know what, maybe I better do a little waitressing so I can get a nicer apartment while I'm auditioning. Or maybe this acting can be put on the back burner a little bit while I get my real estate license and and get enough built up financially. Um, it's not supposed to hurt. It's supposed to include disappointment and learning and growth and and all all of those things but it's not supposed to be a constant pain. It's not supposed to for a very minimal payoff. And I know so many actors that hung onto it so long and lived in a room and a house, you know, and, and didn't have any and, and devoted it all to 
to the acting and then eventually let it go. And, and so many of them are doing so well now and having a wonderful time and occasionally doing a gig. You know, it's perspective. It's, life isn't supposed to be excruciating. I don't think so. Enough excruciating things come into our life on their own. We don't need to, to cause them. Now, that's also, I'm a grandmother, so I've been around a lot of blocks. But for younger people, it's not supposed to be excruciating. I mean, can I tell you something, uh, Billy? What? I mean, the, the first time I became a, a national champion in karate, I was 18 years old. And, you know, driving home from that competition with my father, who's my coach and my team, the only thing that I had in my mind was, you know, how can I defend this title next year? I, I felt like a fraud. And now I've learned that's called imposter syndrome. But I mean, I learned so much during my career and, and, and I, I learned to become much better with this. And the, my last performance where I actually be, became a world medal, medalist, I have put myself out of the, out of the uh, I was focusing only on the performance, not on the results. Ah. And I had a lot of fun. And crazy enough, enough, I was fucking better. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that funny? Like sometimes when we hold on to something so hard, we don't don't attract it. So I think think you're right. Letting go and, and, you know, focusing. One thing that I'm doing now, I try to focus on the performance. And not what can I do today to move the needle? And realize that I can't kill myself and work 15 hours today because I'm in this for the long run. And results take time. Mm-hmm. That's such a healthy energy preserving use of your energy. It, yeah. it, it's much healthier. I, I had an acting teacher years ago. She was a wonderful person. She used to say, get out of your own way. Get out of your own way. And I never knew what that meant until much, much later. Get get out of your own way. Yeah. All these platitudes, but they're platitudes because they're the truth I found. Yeah. And what else do you want to say to people that are watching and listening to this, you know, when it comes to communication and 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 things like that? I a couple of days ago. I was on um, uh, on the internet, and you know how you check things and stuff like that. And I and and a line came up: Warren Buffett says the most important investment you can make. And I thought, oh, maybe there's a little something I should, <laughs> you know. So I went on, and because I really respect Warren Buffett, and do you know what he said? I wrote it down. The most important investment you can make is in yourself. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. So I clicked on the thing and he said, learn how to communicate. And then he went on to talk about how he took a Dale Carnegie course to learn how to communicate with people. So even if that, uh, even if I didn't teach communication, I'm grateful for my family, my dad and, and my mom for teaching the four kids how to communicate. 
how to look people in the eyes, how to listen, how to, how to communicate. So if, if there's one thing that you can do maybe to help yourself be successful, I would tell your listeners, it's take a communication course or read a book or, or do something to learn how to be a good communicator and a good leader. Because that'll help you if you stick with your dream or advance your dream or choose another dream or another dream chooses you. No, I, I totally agree with you because we see it all the time. Not, it's not always the brightest people that get the job. It's the people that can communicate the best and build relationships. And I mean, being charismatic, being likable in this day and age, that, that wins. It wins deals. It wins relationships. It wins friends. I think that's super important and also find a way to be genuine because I, you know, I'm, I'm in the real estate world and I've been in sales all my life and we see the best ones are always genuine, but then there's other tactics that is more like manipulating and that are not real. So at the end of the day, we, we should be real with our, our thoughts and, and actions, right? Yes, that's, that's my practice and that's all I have to share. I don't know how to share uh, otherwise except practicing being authentic. And those are the people that I've gravitated to in my life. The people that, the more you learn how to communicate, the more discerning a listener you become too. And you can tell who's being authentic and who's not being authentic. So there are several benefits. You can learn it quickly. Yeah. And a question, can we just talk a little bit about your book? So how was it to write a book, first of all? And then like, what will the reader get from, from, from learning and studying your book and your work? The, the most important thing I think might be helpful to people is I mentioned it before. I did not want to write this book. <laughs> I'm telling you, I did not want to write my thesis in graduate school. I did not. I would much rather <coughs> watch a movie on TV. But enough people wouldn't let me not write the book. And it was extremely yeah. challenging. And I had great support. I hired great editors, great collaborators, great artists. Just It, it was very, very uh, great team. What will they learn in the book? The book was designed to be handed out to people that take the workshops or work with me privately. However, if people read the book, hopefully it will ignite something in them that the techniques included within within will be helpful to them because it's got techniques and personal success stories of people that I've coached. And um, hopefully they'll get something from it. Yeah. And um, what's the number one takeaway you think people will take from the book? Honesty. That I'm going to tell you when you're really doing well and doing something right, And I'm going to adjust you like a director adjusts an actor to get to the truth of the character when something's getting in your way. So I would say, honestly looking how to communicate 
well and honestly, because that's the juice, isn't it? When when we see a leader or a speaker that's that's speaking from their soul, it's it's like a moth to flame. We know it. We know it. Yeah, and I mean it's so interesting because one thing that I'm working on now is like sometimes in communication settings when you're like in new new relationship, new business in environment, you you tend to dance around the truth a little bit. It's almost like a first date, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one thing that I'm I'm learning now is to stop dancing around the truth. But what I've also realized is that I need to get better telling the truth differently to different persons depending on who they are. Because sometimes I can, if I just say it, it could be very hurtful as well, right? Yes. That that oh, you're that's very. Um... Evolved, I have to say. When when I was a beginning acting coach, I was very very harsh, very direct, and I thought that's what they need to get it. You know, very harsh and very direct. And then over the years, of course, I learned other techniques to to um, get the same point across, more finesse, I guess. It, you know, I heard a diplomat talking the other day who had been caught in Iran years years ago and I beg your pardon it's time to wake up really <laughs> and to all your listeners see wakey <laughs> um, wakey and for people listening it's labor day it's like not even 9 a.m. and here we're sitting sharing. So I hope you take, if you're still here listening, we just appreciate you guys and just know that we we took some time off for, from our own families to be here today with you. So Peter, I hope, hope you appreciate that. You're so lovely. I apologize. No <laughs> of course, I forgot what I was talking about. What was Oh, wait. we're talking about finesse and, oh, and he uh, said he said he learned how to deal with the very mean guards and and um one of the one of the leaders came to visit him in the prison and he said i cut off his head with cotton and i thought oh that's terrible but then i realized when he told the experience how gently he had said to the person and basically just nailed him so i've i've learned as you mentioned how to say it different ways to different people i used to be so harsh it wasn't a need, really. <laughs> I apologize if you're out there. <laughs> I think it's called passion in a way. My father is my sensei, my karate coach, and he's he's very strong and direct. But I think as as you evolve, as he's getting older now and we're getting kind of nicer, but he still has that hard kind of it tells tells it like it is, and I don't care if it hurts or not. Yeah, yeah. My dad <laughs> and it, the same one. and it's nice. It's it's beautiful to have that as well. Uh, w- one thing that I wanted to ask you, you know, getting in touch with your emotions and intention is it hard to teach some? Because I always admired actors that could cry from from anywhere. Is is that a hard hard thing to learn? Some actors, when you start getting paid for it, you start realizing which which row of audition people you're in as you're going for auditions. 
and they're the criers. I'm, I'm not being funny. It's the truth. And they oftentimes end up in soap operas. And then there are the funny people who can be funny because not everybody's funny. Having said that, as I mentioned, actors are emotional athletes and there are techniques and ways to connect to the inner self and put yourself in that situation and start crying. There are techniques to everything. Now, one step further, I want to say, I deal with a lot of tech people here in, in the Bay Area and in Silicon Valley, San Francisco area, and um, a lot of engineers. And when I say you've got to feel it to get it, you've got to feel it to get it, that may not resonate with them. But I'll okay. say have an awareness of when you're experiencing this. Have an awareness of when you're feeling this. And then that sort of leads them into learning what a feeling feels like because there's only so many emotions you know anger sadness happiness but but feelings are derivatives of the of those emotions and uh they're message senders so we need to pay attention to them it's helpful information yeah it is and one final question and then i'll let you go to enjoy the day one thing that I ask all my guests is people that are listening now, they're still here. They want to create a good life and go after their dreams. What's the first thing they can do right after this show to get started on their goals and dreams? Do something nice for somebody. Just do something nice for somebody. Then that starts the juices and the energy and the positive creativity flowing. I love that. And and it creates a chain of emotion, right? Yeah. Billy, I appreciate you. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. If people want to connect with you and learn more about what you do, where, where's the best place to find you? They can go to www. BillyShepherd.com. Awesome. Thanks again. And I want to thank everybody that are still here listening uh, with us. And, uh, you know, I hope you enjoy this conversation. As you probably know by now, I, I want to help and inspire 10 million people to transform their lives in 10 years. I can't do it myself and I'm super glad you're with me on this journey and that you're taking action. We don't charge anything for this. The only thing that I want you to do is to give us some love. If you enjoy this conversation, share it with somebody, You know, give us a review so more people can, can enjoy our conversations here and, and at the end of the day, creating a little better place in this world with more happiness, more success. And when I talk about success, I talk success for you. What does that mean for you? It doesn't have to be a Ferrari or or having millions of, of dollars. It could be anything that makes you happy, like hugging your mom, calling a friend, you know, going to the coffee shop and get that nice coffee which I'm going to do after this. I'm, 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 I'm really excited for that. And, you know, just enjoying the day. So thank you, everybody. Take care and hope to see you guys soon.